this is Chris Carey, CFO of City National Bank. We have a history here at City National for providing a special access to unique and inspiring leaders. And today I have the privilege of introducing you to another phenomenal leader. Elise Buick is the president and CEO of United Way Greater Los Angeles. Elise has been instrumental in transforming the United Way into a community impact organization that identifies social issues, convenes experts, partners with other organizations, and crafts innovative solutions and policy that support those in greatest need. During a unique time like this, where the world is not only fighting a pandemic, but also social and racial injustice, we are truly lucky to be able to take a minute and spend some time with a leader like Elise. In our conversation today, we'll talk about the incredible work that United Way has done and is doing throughout LA during these difficult times, and how they pivoted to address the current crisis facing our city and nation. We'll also talk about leadership traits that are key to address the unprecedented needs facing our community. With that said, I'm so excited to introduce Elise Buick. Elise, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Chris, for having me. So before we get into our conversation, how are you doing? Are you and your family staying safe and healthy? And I know we all worry that we haven't figured out all the things that we need to be doing to take care of our families, our colleagues, our friends in this unprecedented time, because we just don't have the experience to rely on. There's no playbook. And I, I'm sure there are more things we can and should be doing. And every day, all of, all of the leaders are thinking about what they can do to try to get this as good as possible. Um, you know, thanks for asking. You know, I'm doing well. I mean, my family is healthy, so I feel blessed. You know, I think probably like all of your team members, it's a difficult time. And there's also some gifts in this time of, more walking, more family dinners, more games. But I worry about my team members. You know, I think many people are feeling isolated. Many people are feeling very uncertain right now. And so we're just trying to balance and really make sure in my family life and with my team members that we're really emphasizing self-care and making sure that people are taking care of their mental health and their physical health and that we support each other during this difficult time. Well, I know that I have a daughter with four young children, and uh, and many of our colleagues have young children. And it's been quite a year to try to have her and her husband both work and also help educate those four children. They have a much better appreciation, which I'm happy about, of our, of our teachers who are also heroes in their own right. So uh, now I want to talk about the incredible work that United Way does. You became president and CEO in 2005. What attracted you to this organization and what has inspired you today to this day? Well, now all your team members know how old I am. I've actually been with the United Way for 26 years. Um, I'm originally from Atlanta, and I was in the private sector in marketing, and I transferred out to Los Angeles with a job. And I joined the United Way in 1994. And, you know, Chris, I just fell in love with the organization and the community, I think for many of us, you know, I remember I used to live and work in the South Bay and I had no idea that there was this amazing network of neighborhoods throughout the county. And so being at United Way really allowed me to learn the community differently. And I really fell in love uh, with the organization and the mission. And then in 2007, you know, we launched a focus called Creating Pathways Out of Poverty. And, you know, to be able to be an advocate for underserved communities and to really bring voice to issues, um, it really inspires me each and every day. Well, people may not realize that the United Way is one of the largest nonprofit organizations in the world, supporting those communities in greatest need across the globe. 
I've actually been involved in the United Way for much of my long career, over 35 years in three different cities. But I've been on this United Way board for over eight years and, and involved in the United Way activities for probably around 11 years, starting with some work I did with you actually on the Homeless Task Force. So I personally know you do so much for our communities here in LA, but can you talk about the work the United Way is doing on a more global level? Absolutely. And first off, let's not let that uh, go unnoted. You know, I think the power of the United Way is thousands of individuals who come together to create change in the community. We do that through a network of volunteers like yourself. And so the fact that you've been a donor all those years, that you have given your very precious volunteer time to the United Way Network is very much appreciated. And I also want to thank City National Bank. Y'all have been incredibly generous to the community, to United Way, both in terms of the corporate gifts that you give, the volunteerism that your employees make time for, the giving of your employees. So we couldn't do what we do without City National Bank. You know, I think what is powerful about the United Way Network is we now have 1,800 United Ways in over 40 countries. And the power of United Way is that we're very local and we're on the ground. And so um, that has just been an amazing development of really strengthening United Ways across the globe. This United Way has had a partnership with the United Way of South Korea. I've also had the fortune to travel to the United Way of Mumbai, you know, and so we are really working with local leaders like yourself and local people to understand, you know, what are the most pressing needs in their communities? And then how do we tackle those things together? So everything from digital literacy in Ghana to water and sanitation in India. And, you know, I think we're seeing through this pandemic, we are more connected than we realize. And so I think that is the power of the United Way Network. And in a community like LA, where we are global LA, as I like to say, I think having this network is more important than ever. So bringing it back home to our local communities, homelessness is at an all-time high in so many cities across America. And while homeless numbers were improving in LA over the past several years, they are now back on the rise again. What are the reasons, what could be done, and what are the roadblocks getting in the way? Well, you could probably answer this question from your uh, decade of service and <laughs> helping me uh, tackle this. You know, it, homelessness is a very complicated issue. It, uh, it's not one monolithic population. And, you know, for your listeners, if we want to break it down a little bit, 75% of people without a home in LA County are due to economic reasons. And so with that population, we really see a perfect storm of people are working hard, working two and three jobs, often minimum wage, but the rents in our community have gone up 30%. And so we are, and I really want to thank Russell and City National with the work you did with the LA Coalition. You brought on McKenzie, who really helped us study this issue of affordable housing. We are building a lot of housing at the high end, and we are building some housing at the low end through 
the two ballot measures that passed H and Triple H for homeless housing, but we're not building housing in the middle. And McKenzie was able to document that we're half a million units short of affordable. So we have to tackle that. We've also seen a decline at the federal government of their investing in rental subsidies and housing. And so really, it's like a perfect storm of issues that are happening. Um, And obviously, that has been made worse by COVID. The other 25% are people that are experiencing usually a mental health issue. They may be treating that with drugs or alcohol. They usually have a physical health condition. And we haven't really built our systems to serve them. Your listeners may not know that half of our jail population right now in LA County is people who are mentally ill. And we know there's a lot of dialogue right now about how we can reimagine how we help people. But we do know that housing works and we know that that stabilizes people and allows them to get the services they need. We just need to do more of it. So Elise, I know a large responsibility of yours is to seek out partners, both in the public and private realm, that have deep roots and resources throughout LA. We at Sydney Ash have been a proud partner supporting the United Way for several decades. Why is it important for United Way to collaborate with other like-minded organizations? And what kind of support is United Way most in need of? Donations, of course, are important, but what other kind of support and partnerships do you look for? Well, the thing we have to remember about Los Angeles County is it's 10 million people. And that is bigger than most states. And so anything we look at, we have to get to scale. And as you know, Chris, this United Way, when you talked about an introduction us being a community impact organization, what that really means is that we want to innovate programs with charitable dollars, but we also need to change the policies in the public sector and the way our school districts and our cities and our counties invest in communities. And we also wanna make sure that they can help to fund these programs at scale. And so for us, I would say a couple things. Um, Volunteerism is very important. It allows you to get to know uh, your community better. Also educating yourself. These are complex issues, but what we find is that when people really come to understand what like you and I were talking, what really are the root causes of homelessness? It really allows them to be able to advocate. And and I would say in the little ways and the big ways, whether it is talking to your neighbors about bringing some housing into your neighborhood, or it is actually going in front of the city council to make your voice heard. And so that's what we really, those partnerships and lifting up people's voices, um, I really think it is how you educate yourself, how you really have empathy for folks and what they're going through. You know, we do a series called Stories from the Frontline where we bring in people who are now housed, but who have been on the streets. And we find that that really creates an emotional connection that people understand this could be me. Um, I could be in this situation and this is an amazing person, an amazing story, and I want them to be my neighbor. So, you know, I would say the other partnerships we need are people educating themselves, people um, creating more understanding and empathy of the people and the issues that we work on, and then advocating whether it's within your own family, your own neighborhood, 
or uh, for some people, really going and helping us in terms of neighborhood councils, city councils, and the government realm. And all of those things matter as we're trying to make change. You know, over my many years of working on the homeless initiative, what was always so surprising to me, probably shouldn't have been, but the formerly homeless people, how how talented they were. You say, how does a talented person like this, but things just happen and usually it's economic, but once they get a helping hand, their life is transformed. So it's, it's probably one of the most inspiring things I've been involved in when you see these people and you see other people that aren't so involved in the issue, think, wow, look at this person that actually was on, you know, homeless for one, two, three, five years. So it's amazing what you are doing and what we can do if we all really work on the effort. Well, and I think to your point, we want to show people it is possible. I mean, I've met um, amazing people who've been on the streets for 20 years and we think, okay, that person will never come in. You know, I think the myth is that while people may not want to come into a crowded shelter, they do want to come into a home, even if it's a studio apartment, they do want to get a roof over their heads and they want to turn their lives around and they can. And so that's what's inspiring to me is this model works. We just have to scale it. Okay, so switching gears, I want to talk about the current environment that we find ourselves in. Not only are we fighting a global pandemic, but we are also continuing to fight for justice and racial equality. How has United Way pivoted as an organization to address both these issues? And what are some of the changes that the LA United Way and chapters across the country are making? Well, I think it's the right question. Um, As you know, we started in 2007 with focusing on poverty. The focal points of our work have been in addressing inequities in education and housing and jobs. I will say this has caused me as a leader to take a step back and say, what more can I do and what more can we do as an organization? And I think when you really begin to understand and put a racial lens on the work, It really opens your eyes in a whole different way. It causes you to question things like the fact that in the county of Los Angeles, 8% of our population is Black, but in our homeless population, Blacks represent 34% and 56% of families. So that gives us a clue that there's more at play here. And we have to really look at what are the policies and the systems that are creating that. And Um, It just causes you to look at things with more intentionality. And so that's what we're doing at the United Way is really looking at that, leaning into that, really understanding the racism that is embedded in a lot of our policies. And I think on the homeless issue, um, I've come to learn more about just this intersection of when law enforcement is a primary tool of responding to people and then people get into the system it just puts them in a vicious cycle of incarceration and homelessness. And it's not giving us the outcomes we want. People that are mentally ill should not be in our jails. And so that to me is the opportunity is that we can all learn together more about what are these root causes of some of these issues through the lens of race. And we all must and should do more to address them. I couldn't agree with you more. So one of your overarching missions or guiding principles is to bring resources and support to our underserved communities. We've seen reports that while a pandemic does not discriminate and everyone is at risk, our underserved communities have proven to be affected at a higher rate as it relates to contracting the virus and have accessing food and everyday essentials. 
What is your take on the issue and what is United Way doing to help change these statistics? You know, I think that what we have to acknowledge is that things weren't really great for a lot of our low-income communities before the pandemic. And I think the pandemic has really exposed a lot of cracks in our systems. People are very vulnerable that are on our streets with this pandemic. A lot of people don't have access to health care. People are in overcrowding housing situations. And, you know, I think we all now have an appreciation, a new definition of what essential workers are. And so while all of us may feel uh, lucky, I do, to be able to work from home, a lot of our frontline workers don't have that choice. You know, people that are in warehouse jobs, you know, delivering packages, people that are in our grocery stores. And so we are seeing this pandemic, the rates of infection affecting Latino and Black individuals more so at a disproportionate rate. And so what, you know, what I think it creates an opportunity back to our earlier point about racial equality and racial justice is that we build something different as we come out of this, that we are more inclusive and we really look at addressing some of these systems that are failing these communities. Well, you know, one sad reality is that we think that seemingly many nonprofits will not survive the economic downturn. And the safety nets, as these, as these fray, what role does United Way play and what can other organizations do to stay relevant and viable? You know, it's a good question. I, I think you know, and you guys were a great supporter. Um, we did launch a pandemic relief fund to deal with immediate needs, but one of the four priorities of that fund was to ensure stability in the nonprofit sector. I don't think that will be enough. Unfortunately, we're seeing fundraising. We know that fundraising always takes a hit when there's a downturn in the economy. Um, you know, I so I just encourage all of your team members, you know, do what you can to volunteer with nonprofits to help them. I think many of them don't have some of the basics in terms of how you deal, weather these types of storms. I think we'll see more nonprofits merge, some consolidation. We at United Way of America are really trying to lobby Congress to make sure that there is more funding for nonprofits because they're on the front lines of many of these issues. But, you know, it is always tough and heartbreaking to see the impact of a downturn on a nonprofit sector. So like us here at City National, you and United Way have been outspoken to support and the fight against racial injustice and supporting our Black communities. And I know you talked about this a little bit earlier, but can you talk a little bit more about what this ongoing battle means to you and United Way and what you're doing to continue to move the conversation forward? You know, what I would say, and it's interesting, I think what I hear from the community, they are very inspired to see multiracial coalitions forming, to see companies really leaning into this moment. But I would say we need to all push ourselves. The statements of intention are great, but what our community is looking for is action. And I think the biggest plea for them, and you're hearing a lot about it, and actually United Way is part of an effort called Reimagine LA County, is they want to see our local budgets really reflect the priorities that you and I have been talking about. Um, investing in our youth, not incarcerating them, um, making sure that small-owned businesses, especially Black-owned businesses, have access to capital, um, investing in housing so that people have a place to live and are not spending all of their income on housing. And so I think that's the opportunity. 
is that our budgets probably locally at the United Way, I know City National is a great corporate citizen and looking at your giving, our city and county budgets, that they really reflect our priorities and that will require reprioritization. And I don't think we should be scared of that conversation. I think this is really about how we help people, support them, and actually um, help them heal with solutions that really, as you and I talked about, that can transform their lives. And so I'm excited about these reimagination efforts. And, you know, I do think we all have to make changes as we go through this journey that are really going to not just be statements, but take action. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think what we've been talking about a little bit at City National is we certainly have to do things different. We have to take actions. Then we have to hold ourselves accountable to outcomes. Because frankly, over my career, I've seen a lot of action, um, but nobody really believes in you if you don't get the outcome. It's not good enough to do the action. So uh, I, think, I think this is a moment um, that we have to capitalize on and really make sure we take advantage of it and get change across our great country. I agree with you. And, you know, we have to acknowledge these are very painful conversations. Um, they're hard conversations. It's hard to talk about race. But I, you know, again, going back to where we started, I do think understanding and empathy are the key to change. And, you know, I look, I've been I've dedicated my life to the social service sector. I feel like I'm a pretty actualized leader, but I must say, I I don't think I've always appreciated the degree of trauma and fear and anxiety that a lot of my colleagues and community members have, you know. I have a 19-year-old son who deliver, is delivering pizzas during COVID. If I had to worry every night when he walked out that door, if he was going to come back in, I don't know how I would survive that. And so, you know, I think this is really a time for us to lean in and have these dialogues and understand. Uh, I think when you have that empathy and understanding, that's when you get change. So as you said earlier, you originally are in a land of native. We saw the process, powerful numbers in many cities across the United States, but especially in Atlanta. What are your thoughts about Atlanta coming together? And can you give your thoughts about the Atlanta community? You know, I've been really, I love to see how Atlanta is changing. Um, It's a very different scenario than Los Angeles. Um, You know, it is majority black. The last time I looked at stats, Atlanta has the highest per capita black millionaires. There's a lot of entertainment. I know City National is big in the entertainment industry, but you know, there's a lot of entertainment there now with film and music. And so it's just, it is interesting to see the power dynamic shifting. I'm a big fan of Mayor Bottoms. I just think her leadership during this moment has been really outstanding. And, you know, I think you see the city trying to come together in a way to make sure that the right voices are heard. And again, as we were talking, that something different is rebuilt coming out of this. And I, and I really think we see that in Atlanta. So with our world changing by the day, it's also important that we all keep an eye on the future. What is United Way's global vision for the next five years? And what are your long-term goals on a more local level? Well, the United Way Network, what I love is while there is a localness, um, there is a, uh, we really look at, at a macro level, how we fight for the health, the housing, the education, and the financial stability of every person, every community. And, you know, this notion of, we call it Live United, I mean, I think United Way is a very special place 
where we try to bring people together. That's the part I love about my job. It is, you know, we work with the business community, we work with labor, we work with nonprofits, we work with community leaders, we work with local neighborhoods. And I think people are hungry for that right now. You know, I think they really are looking for where is that common ground where we can have the greatest impact. And so for us at the United Way of LA, our work will stay the same around addressing those issues. However, uh, it will be more through the lens of racial justice. And we all, you and I were talking earlier, I do think we have to look at this work and be nimble in understanding what the effect of this pandemic is going to be. And as you said, this is just uncharted territory. So I think that all of us as organizations For some of us, we're just trying to be responsive in the moment and to see where this pandemic takes us. And we have to have, you know, I'm sure like you, it can really, organizations have to be flexible. You know, we have a strategic plan that did not have a pandemic or racial justice in it. And so we have to be um, nimble and responsive enough to change and evolve as an organization to really meet the needs on the ground. So what do you see as your biggest challenge to achieving these goals and what support will you need to make it happen? I think the thing that is hard is that common ground or uh, discussions and actions like we were talking, they just become very polarized very quickly. I just think, unfortunately, that's where our nation and our society is right now. And so that uh, I'm an optimist. I have to be, you know, I, I think it just spurs all of us on to really lean into this moment. You've heard a lot of people say we need to meet the moment, but to not focus on our differences, but to focus on what we can agree on and to set those tables for dialogue and understanding to be able to move forward together as a community. So one final question that I'd like to close with. One of our underlying themes with these conversations is the importance of strong leadership through adversity. What are the most important qualities that a leader must have and whose leadership have you learned from throughout your life? Uh, That's a tough question. You saved the toughest for last. (laughs) You know, I, I think a couple things. One is, you know, to surround yourself with great people. And, um, you know, I feel very blessed to work with leaders like yourself, Chris, and my team, This is where I think we really see the power of diversity is when you surround yourself with people who are different from you, who have different strengths than you, it makes you better as a leader. And that to me is what's exciting. Uh, I love the debate. I think it makes us better as people and as leaders and as organizations. I think for me, it's always about being very authentic to yourself and staying grounded in your values. And, you know, I can assure you, as we've started to lean into this moment, people are not necessarily comfortable with that. And, you know, I just have to stay true to what I believe in and what my values are and be led by the mission and, you know, stay focused on that. I think good leaders, it is about focus and, you know, understanding listening, but also moving forward. And then the last thing I would just say is this is a time where we have to be steady and we have to really take the long-term view. And I think for all of us, long-term feels untenable right now because we don't know where we are in this pandemic. You know, our society is going through a lot of change. 
And I find that people can get very reactive and very focused on the short term. And of course, we know we always have urgent things. But for me, if you really, I think as leaders, our team members and community members are really looking for us to kind of have that longer term view and perspective and kind of guide them. So that, those are the things as I'm going through this that are kind of keeping me grounded and balanced. Well, look, Elias, first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time. I do know how busy you are since I work with you a lot. And we really appreciate you joining this podcast. And then I would just say in closing, look, um, you know, my time with United Way here in the last 10 years and throughout my career um, have been fabulous and really changed me as a person. But a key highlight in my business career is the last 10 years that I've worked with Elise Buick and the United Way of Los Angeles County. It's a great organization. It is helping the most underserved people in our communities that really need the help. So I'm, I'm blessed that I could be involved in it and it's been great. So uh, thank you very much, Elise, and have a great day. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to our conversation with Elise Buick, President and CEO of United Way of Greater Los Angeles, and Chris Carey, CFO of City National Bank. For more information on United Way, visit unitedway.org. To learn more about City National Bank, please visit cnb.com.